Well, I guess you haven't gotten over the sleet and the ice and the hail and the snow. That was a hoot, wasn't it? I came out with someone from the back part, you know, the porch with the student center. I thought the Titanic had docked bringing the iceberg with it because they cleaned the, the pavement and piled all the stuff up there. It was really something to be seen. It shows you in New England we're made of sturdy stuff. And being made of sturdy stuff means we can also hear the truth. One of the great fellows to tell us that, I'm pointing to where the new icon is. It's on this wall facing this way. Easy for me to see, tough for some of you. Sorry for the trick, <laughs> but it's to induce you when you get here early for Mass to make sure you come up and around. And look at the icon which Father Kelly so wisely put in of John Henry Cardinal Newman, St. John Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N. There's also St. John Neumann, the fourth bishop of a very distinguished city to the south. I won't even mention the name. I know you all know it. And also sainted earlier on. But Cardinal Newman, <coughs> who wrote the idea of university, after whom, whom Catholic centers at secular universities are named Newman Centers. Cardinal Newman uh, once said, and it's a quote I often use, but I want to shorten it just to the point, said that we are easily led and it would be better for us if we knew it. It certainly would. It certainly would. Because we would have a better sense of our ignorance or our gullibility. And it's important then to take time to discriminate what's said, to dissect it, to test it, and to weigh it, to discern. But not everyone does, not everyone does. You know, years ago when I was a kid, I might add, not that many years ago, I mean, the word hours or minutes comes quickly to mind. But when I was a kid, uh, tobacco companies would always be advertising on the television and in the magazines, the basic magazines of the culture. And in there, they would have uh, physicians. You know it was a physician because he was wearing a white smock and he had, uh, you know, whatever, various accoutrements, stethoscope, and he'd be smoking and he'd be saying that uh, this particular cigarette is healthier for you than all the others. Of course, they all kill you with cancer early and all the other people you live in the same building with, which doesn't seem the healthiest thing but who wants to make a small point? The tobacco companies hired Edward Bernays, not spelled like the sauce, but spelled with a Y in it. Uh, if you ever heard of Anne Bernays, uh, that was just mentioned in the op-ed page within the last few days in the, in the Boston papers. And uh, Edward Bernays was the founder, effectively, effectively, of public relations PR in this country, in these United States. And uh, one of the things he's most famous for, depends upon your vocabulary choice, infamous for, is that men were smoking, but women were not. And so he had the idea of freeing women to smoke. And so he, uh, he literally had a parade on Fifth Avenue uh, where, where cigarettes came to be called liberty sticks, and women were claiming their liberty. And uh, he had them walking down the street smoking. And so what that provided from the scientific factual point of view is the following, that as men adopted smoking, if you look with the 20 or 30 year lag, you get lung cancer and death rising perfectly parallel to the adoption. If you have the rate for men, then with the, whatever it was, 20, 30 year lag, 40 from the one to the other, you have the increase in deaths among women. And so it's a vivid example to get us to think that there are shepherds good and bad and would it not be valuable, apropos Cardinal Newman and anyone else with sense, our parents who taught us our prayers and good judgment and wisdom and rules of thumb at their knee, 
would it not be useful to discriminate between the two and not say it doesn't matter? And listen to people who have our interests at heart and not theirs. Because the tobacco companies make great profits and to ensure them, it's now a matter of open record when they did discovery that they put extra chemicals in that made them more addictive, so it was very hard for people to switch. And not all of us, but some of us may know people in our families, among our friends, who tried to quit but found it deducedly difficult to quit. And that's not simply a thing of their lack of will, it's a matter of biochemistry or orgo. I hate to mention orgo, everyone sort of runs from it. So I, I thought I would get you sitting upright and, uh, and uh, attentive. And so uh, they, uh, they put those things in to addict people all the more. There will be arguments in Congress, well, Senator of North Carolina, we have 40,000 jobs dependent on the tobacco industry. We have 40,000 jobs dependent on the tobacco industry. Uh, we can't possibly lose those, lose those jobs. But then if you have 4 million deaths, and once a person is 86, it's very hard to get a job. They're certainly among the permanently unemployed, would you say? So the numbers seem a bit disparate. And so all those matters are things for us to think about. I'd be glad if you could think of a better example. I'd also be glad if you could pick holes in mine, because the whole point is to think about the truth of things. And just because someone says things, even with good intentions, doesn't mean they're true. And so we get to reflect and think about them and weigh them and so on. What was our Lord's marvelous line? By their fruits you will know them. By their results you will know them. You know who used that all the time? Our novice master uh, in the division. You know that year you are away from everything, you learn to pray and learn about religious life. And that was the thing he constantly said. If you're adopting a new method of prayer or a particular uh, spiritual writer, then that should help you potentiate your getting along with others. It should not help your emptying a room. It should help you. What you need to do in religious life is get along with each other. I know it sounds trivial, I know it sounds trite, but those of us who draw a line under our behavior and look at it in what's called the examen conscientiae, the examination of conscience, no, it's no small matter. We really need God's help. We need to separate the wheat from the chaff and especially the good from the evil. And so as I understand the matter from the gospel today, the 10th chapter of St. John's gospel, there are bad shepherds. And they're shepherding sheep and the wolf comes and they are out of there. Showing they're not concerned for the sheep, but concerned for the self. And then there is a marvel to us all, one of the most winning things in all of scripture and religion. The good shepherd, capital G, capital S, who gives up his life for his sheep who serves his sheep even to the point of losing his life. God so loved the world that he sent his only son, who would teach us the truth about things. As it says in that first chapter of John, the truth which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Isn't that a marvelous line? Masterful, like so much of John's gospel. And then here in the 10th chapter of John's gospel, beyond once we get past the prelude, which is a great thing for meditation, don't you think? Then in the 10th chapter, we see this matter of the Good Shepherd. And we are called explicitly and implicitly as we reflect on it throughout this week and through all our days to choose the Lord as our shepherd and not other petty any things, not cults, not other gym crack things, but the Lord God of heaven who sent his only son and the word came into the world speaking copiously the truth. And how important for all of us to listen to that.
Well, our second reading reminds us that we're called to be children of God. So what Christ has done, imaging for us what God is like, we are to do in our own lives. And so if he reached out to the welfare of others, even at risk, how important for all of us that as well? Think of your parents. Think of the difference they made for you. Think of the things because they were providing for you they had to give up. Do you have any, any inkling of what college costs? Perhaps most people pay for college themselves, but there's still parents out there who picked up the tab. Now, I'm not saying they've completely bankrupted themselves. I'd like the old uh, t uh, comics, Sunday comics, they're, they're going around wearing a barrel with, with straps because they've had to sell their clothing. But nonetheless, uh, it can sometimes be tight. But they've given of themselves things they could have used for their own fun and advantage. For your sake, for our sake, keeping Catholic colleges open and so in the process. Keeping Catholic student centers open in the process. Because of their selflessness, for the good of others, for the good of us, for the good of you and me. What a difference they have made. And that's called shepherding. It's called good shepherding. And so for us to go in turn and to be good shepherds ourselves. I've told some of you, and I don't, want, I don't want to fail to repeat it, that the number of people who've come up to me, alumni, who said, Father, I was at Harvard Yard, I was away from the phone for the first time, and it was sort of a fork in the road, I didn't realize it, but when I look back, it really was, and I could have not gone to church, it would have been nice to lie in, I was tired. But someone said to me, well, I'm going to church tomorrow, why don't you join me? It could have been a fellow student, a proctor, whatever, and that changed my life. From that point on, they took the high road. From that point on, they heard the Lord's word. From that point on, they heard the whole history of God's encounter with humanity in the Hebrew scriptures. They prayed the Psalms. They sang their hearts out. Wasn't that magnificent, the glory in Excelsis Deo and the Kyrie that we just heard? Wasn't it magnificent to sing that just in the, uh, in the shower <laughs> yourself, to know that by heart? and to praise the Lord with all our hearts. What a vast difference that makes. And then the remarkable thing, the impossible thing, and yet it's also, to use the four-letter word, true, that we come together to say thank you to God and in the process are given back an even greater gift, God's gift of himself in Christ. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please consider supporting us by visiting stpaulparish.org. That's stpaulparish.org. God bless and see you next time.